Hallelujah. And so today I'm going to speak on what I've titled, Where Are You, God? Where are you, God? Um, it's almost like having a hide and seek game with your little girl or your little boy and then and, and hiding from their view and then all of a sudden, Daddy, where are you? And, and sometimes they might cry, Daddy, where are you? Daddy, where are you? And you intentionally keep quiet. And it's not because you are not present, but it's only because you want them to search a little bit more. And then when they catch you, it becomes very exciting. Daddy, I thought you were lost. Daddy, I thought you were not around. But you were around all along. And sometimes in our Christian lives, we feel like God is absent. And sometimes we feel like God is not around. And sometimes we feel like God is far away. And some of us cry out to God and some of us pray to God and, and we ask God, God, what, what is happening? Why aren't you answering me? Why isn't anything going on well in my life? And, and some of us get to the point and we say, God, where are you? I don't know whether you have ever been at a place in your life where it seemed like God was nowhere near you. I don't know how many of us have felt that way before. But there's this song by Don Moen where he sings and he says, Lord, it seems so far away, a million miles or more, it feels today. And, and I remember at a particular point in time singing this song, and I really felt like, God, it feels like a million miles away. Where are you, God? I don't know whether you have experienced the silence of God before. In fact, at a point, I wanted to title this message, The Silence in the Darkness. Because there are times that it looks like God is so silent. Like, there's nothing. You are not hearing anything and nothing is happening in your life. I don't know whether you have ever been at a place where you feel like God has left you alone to be by yourself. Maybe you have never experienced that. Maybe you are yet to experience. And when it feels like God is silent and when it feels like God is not around and when it feels like God has forsaken us, there is actually something that God is doing. And that is why this morning I want you to pay attention to this word. I want us to turn our Bibles to Matthew 27. Matthew 27 verse 45 to 46. Matthew 27 verse 45 to 46. There's a very interesting passage there. The Bible says, Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Hallelujah. I, I know um, so many of us are very familiar with this passage. We have read it a number of times and we hear it during Easter. And, and some of us are wondering why pastor is preaching from this passage when we are not in the Easter season. I mean, although this passage has to do with the Easter celebration, the message is not limited to only Easter. Actually, the message is very relevant to every season of your life where you feel God has left you. Now, in this passage, we find Jesus Christ on the cross and he's dying. And, and Jesus is dying for the salvation of human beings. And one of the last statements that Jesus is making on the cross is not a statement of joy. It's not a statement of excitement. 
It is a statement of dejection. It is a statement which shows someone who feels like the, the God that he has served, the God that he has been with, the father that he knows has left him. Jesus is on the cross. He's about to do something great for humanity. And yet one of the last statements is not a statement of comfort. It is a statement of sadness. It is a statement of helplessness. And Jesus Christ, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the word forsaken that Jesus uses here is a word that means to leave behind. It, it actually means to abandon or to feel helpless. And so when Jesus was saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was actually saying, God, why have you abandoned me? Can, can you imagine the son of God on the cross? God, he knows all about God. He knows everything. And yet on that cross, he was the son of man. He was, he was in all his humanity and he was like, God, why have you left me here alone? And I know some of us feel that, like Jesus. He says, God, why have you left me to be on my own, to go through this alone? And, and, and it, was, it was actually a cry of helplessness and hopelessness. And I can see Jesus hanging on that tree and saying, God, where are you? You know the interesting thing about this is that throughout the Gospels, Jesus usually will call God the Father. But on the cross, at this moment, where he felt alone, he didn't say, my father, my father, why have you left me? He actually said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It, it, it tells us the depth of pain that Jesus was in at that moment. At that moment, Jesus felt like a human being who needed God's attention, and yet God was not paying attention to him. And I don't know how many of us have felt that way, yeah, like a human being who needs God's attention, and yet it's like God is not paying attention to you. And, and I want us to try to understand a little bit about the pain that Jesus was going through. Now, Jesus had been betrayed by one of his friends. In fact, the Bible calls Judas Jesus' friend. He was betrayed by his friend. He was arrested by the people that he was ministering to daily. The people that he healed. The people that he, he saved. They, they arrested him. He was slapped. He was spat upon. He was accused falsely. He was judged. And he was beaten. Beaten in a way that his body was breaking and tearing apart. They put a crown of thorns on his head. In fact, on top of that, they made Jesus carry a cross that was heavier than Three bags of cement. I don't know how many of us have ever tried carrying one bag of cement. 50 kg. I mean, that cross was very heavy and Jesus had to carry it for miles. And it wasn't just a matter of carrying it. He was carrying it on a hill. And, and, and Jesus was going through a lot of physical pain at that moment. But that was not the reason why Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was not the reason at all. Jesus was going through that pain. He knew he would go through that pain. But that was not the reason why he said, God, why have you forsaken me? Something much worse happened that day. In fact, there was darkness all over the place. The Bible says for the space of three hours, there was darkness all over the place. And in the midst of the darkness, at the ninth hour, that is after three hours, the Bible says that Jesus cried out and said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
And so it gives us an understanding that although Jesus was broken and beaten and he had carried the cross and they had nailed him on the cross, for the period of three hours that there was darkness, something was happening to Jesus. For the three hours that he was hanging on the cross and there was total darkness, something was happening. Within the three hours, Jesus felt like God had left him for three hours. I'm sure the first hour came, Jesus said, I know my father, he will respond. I, I know my father, he will come through. And, and God did not say anything. The second hour came, I'm sure Jesus was like, I, I know God will come through. And nothing happened. And the third hour, I, I'm sure Jesus was like, in this third hour, God is going to come through. And God did not come through. And Jesus said, God, why have you left me alone? I don't know how many of us have prayed and you have trusted God and you have believed God. And like, God, this time I know God will do it. No, energize. I know energize. We are fasting three days and, and, and we are praying. I know God will do it. And, and God did not do it. And the next week you decided I want to fast on my own three days. And, and you are expecting that God will come through. And God did not come through. I don't know whether you have been at that place. But Jesus was on that cross for three hours with darkness hovering all over him. And you would expect that in the darkness is when God's light might shine. But in that darkness, God's light was not shining. As a matter of fact, in that darkness, God had left Jesus alone to face the darkness all by himself. And he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I can almost see Jesus on the cross and saying, God, this is a deal between you and I. I came because of the people. The reason why I'm on this cross in the first place is because of you. It's because you sent me to come and die for the people. So if I'm on the cross at this point because of the people and there's so much darkness, why is it that you have left me to be on my own? And I know some of us, sometimes God tells you to do something and you actually start doing it. You actually start embarking on that business. You actually get into that marriage. You actually get into that school. You actually get into that job. And you're expecting that because I am doing what God said I should do, everything should work out. And then trouble comes and God seems to have left you to face the trouble all by yourself. And so we cry and we say, God, where are you? Oh, there are times that I've cried, I've asked God, literally, God, where are you? You asked me to plant this church. You asked me to bring this, I mean, bring these people to you. You asked me to go out and draw the people in. God, where are you? Because nothing seems to be working. So Jesus was on the cross with all the pain. And there is no greater pain in life than to go through a season of your life where every human being seems to have left you and you are alone and your trust is in God and God also seems to have left you. I don't know, maybe some of you have never experienced that before. But you turn to your left and there is no help. You turn to your right and there is no help. In fact, that particular season, you're expecting that when you call Pastor Iman, he will say something nice to you. And that time, when you called him, he had nothing proper to say to you. That's like, God, it's just you I have. And then God also seemed to be far away. Now, now for us to understand the extent of pain that Jesus was, was experiencing, let's, let's look at the relationship that Jesus had with the Father. So you can understand why Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 to 17, look at something very interesting there. Matthew 3, 16 to 17. He says, when he had been baptized, 
Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Can you imagine? This is the relationship Jesus had with God. God actually spoke publicly about Jesus and said, This is my beloved son in whom I am what? well pleased. And this is the same God that left Jesus on the cross all by himself. <laughs> yes, sometimes God will give you a word of prophecy and it's like when you receive that word, you feel like everything is going to fall in place the next month. The next month, everything seems to be crashing out on you. The same God. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, now John 10, 30, Jesus says something. I and my father are one. Can you imagine the relationship they had? He and the father were one. Yet on that cross, it looks like they were not one again. On that cross, the same person that said, I and my father are one, was the same person crying and saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, now, when you read John chapter 11, verse 41 to 42, that one is even, that one is even, even more interesting. John chapter 11, verse 41 to 42. He says, Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And this is Lazarus. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Look at what Jesus said. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. Can you imagine? He said, I thank you, Father, that what? You have heard me. And I know you always. No, no. Jesus is, is not telling a lie. He says, God, every time I speak, you hear me. Every time I talk, you hear me. Every time I pray, you hear me. So why is it that I am hanging on this cross and yet it looks like the number you are trying to dial is out of coverage area. It's either switched off or what? Out of coverage area. That's actually what was happening with Jesus. I'm sure he was dialing the number to God. It's like the number you are trying to dial, the number you are trying to reach is either switched off or what? Out of coverage area. And I know sometimes we also go through that moment in life where it looks like you are dialing the number of God. God, I need you at this moment. And it's like the number you are trying to dial is either switched off or out of coverage area. You're praying, you're asking God, God, do it for me. And nothing seems to be working. You are believing God for the job. You have sent applications out. Application upon application upon application. And yet, nothing is happening. At this moment. At this moment when you need money so badly. You have prayed all the prayers you know about financial breakthrough. And yet, it looks like the number you are trying to reach is either switched off or out of coverage area. In John chapter 10, verse 17 to 18, look at something that Jesus says about himself and the Father. He says, therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it. Now he's saying that the Father loves him because he's going to lay down his life. Now, now look at something. He says, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. So Jesus is, is actually... Doing the will of the Father. He's obeying the command of the Father. It's not like Jesus is doing something else. He's doing what God says he should do. On that cross. And yet God has left him alone. Now let, let me say something. Sometimes what you are going through is not because you have done something or not done something. 
Sometimes the reason why God is not minding is not because you have done anything wrong. Neither is it because you are not doing something right. Sometimes it is just because there is something God wants to accomplish. And I know some of you have, have told me some, some time ago or, or time and again, you say, Pastor Ima, I don't know why I'm going through this situation. It looks like God is not listening to me. It looks like he's so far away. I pay my tithe. I give my offering. I come to church. I serve him. I mean, I have kept myself pure. I give to other people. I do a lot of things to honor God, but nothing is working. I don't know whether I have some witnesses here. You seem to have done everything right, and yet God is still silent, not minding you. I came here today to tell you that sometimes it's not what you have done wrong or what you are not doing right. It's just because God has a purpose to accomplish. And until God accomplishes that purpose, he will become silent so that you can go through the process. Now look at something. Look at something. There was a reason why God was silent on that cross. There was a reason why Jesus felt God had forsaken him. There was a reason why Jesus felt like God was not there. And, and let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Let, let's read that passage. Let's read that passage. He says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, this is not the crust of our message, but I want to be able to give us a view of why God left Jesus on the cross all by himself. Now, now the Bible is saying that God made Jesus sin, and, and the word sin here is to miss the mark. It, it actually talks about a nature inside of us that makes us do what misses the mark. And so God has a standard. God has a mark. And, and you and I, as human beings, we constantly miss it. Now, Jesus was coming to redeem us from the bondage of sin. He was coming to redeem us from the bondage of the enemy. But God had to do something to sin. And so what God did was that God had to make Jesus Christ a representation of sin on the cross. And so for the three hours, the Bible says from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, for the three hours that there was darkness all over the earth, and that's what the Bible says, there was darkness all over the earth, do you know what was happening? Jesus Christ was carrying the weight of every single person's sin. From Adam till the last person who will be on this earth before Jesus comes. In fact, before you were born and I were all the sins, Jesus was carrying them, the weight of that. And it wasn't just a matter of carrying the sins, he had actually become the sin. And so for the three hours that he was on the cross, God was looking at Jesus, but he wasn't seeing Jesus on the cross. He was seeing your sin and my sin on that cross. And so for that moment, a holy God who loved his holy son could not behold his holy son because all he could see on that cross was your sin and my sin. So there was a purpose to the pain. There was something that was happening there. And God knew that if I stand in and I intervene and I come in at this very moment, the son will not be able to carry all the sin. So I have to put my eyes away and let him go through that pain until he's able to deal with every single sin on the cross. If God had intervened in the first hour, you and I would not be seated here because he would have 
truncated the process. He would have stopped the process before its time. That's why I'm here to tell you that God might be looking at you and allowing you to go through what you are going through. And it's not because God is not concerned, but if God cuts the process, you will not see the result. If God cuts the process, you will not see the results. If God had come in and said, I can feel my son. I can feel the pain he's going through. I know what he's handling now. Because Jesus was a sinless man. He, he had nothing to do with sin. Yet, he was carrying sin on him on that cross. And if God had come in before the third hour, God would have destroyed the process. So I'm here to tell you that sometimes, the reason why God is silent in your life, and the reason why it looks like God is nowhere. And the reason why we are crying, God, where are you? And God seems not to remind you is because God wants you to go through it. There is a purpose to your pain. And until God finishes the purpose, he will not step in. Because if he steps in, you will not see the results. That's, that's, that's what I want to tell you. You will not see the result. So he says that he was made to be sin so that you and I will become the righteousness of God in him. So he had to become sin on the cross, nail sin to the cross, and then exchange our sin for his righteousness. So you and I can sit here today and be able to worship God. That is why for the three hours, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God was there all along. God hadn't left, but God saw the process and said, I will not step in and destroy this process. I have to make sure that my son goes through so we can have the result. So some years to come, millions of people will be saved. Oh, I'm here to tell you that what God is doing in your life and the reason why he's quiet and silent in your life is because there are many destinies attached to your life. If it was just for you alone, God will step in. But it's because there are so many people attached to your life and God says, I will not stop the process. I will let you go through it and I will, I will make sure that it comes to its end so that you will see the results. So today I'm here to encourage someone that look, God is not through with it yet. Maybe the first hour, it looks like you are expecting God to come to you. He says, I will not. The second hour, it looks like God will come to you. He says, I will not. The third hour, it looks like God will come to you, but he says, I will not. Until you have gone through the process and you have accomplished the process. I don't know how many of you women have been cooking and when you are cooking and then your family is hungry, you go to the kitchen and you take the food off the fire and say, because my family is hungry, even though the food is not cooked, I'm going to dish it out and give. You don't do, do you do that? You don't do that. You tell them, oh, wait a little, we'll be ready. Because you know that if you take it off the fire before the time, there is no way they can enjoy the meal. And so they are hungry, but you, you it's not that you are turning a deaf ear to your hunger, but you know that there's a process. You know that if you take it off the fire before it's time, they will not enjoy it. So for their sake of enjoying the meal and, and being satisfied with the meal, you tell them, wait a little. Oh, it's going to be ready. Wait a little. Then another child will come. Mommy, I'm hungry. Wait a little. Then your husband will come. I'm hungry. Wait a little. You wait and you feel their pain, but you say, no, I will not stop the process because I know something good will come out of it. And when they start eating the meal, they enjoy the meal and they say, wow, mommy, we thank you for your food. But you know that during the time when they were waiting, you intentionally left them to wait because you knew something good will come out of it. I'm here to tell you today that God is cooking something in his kitchen for your life and he's about to do something amazing in your life and if only you can be patient and wait, God will make it work together for your good. 
God will make it work together for your good. When a farmer plants and sows the seed in the soil, the farmer does not go to dig the seed because the seed hasn't germinated. Because sometimes it might take three days before it shoots out of the soil. But the farmer knows that if I can be patient and let the seed be in the soil, it will break out of the ground. And when it breaks out of the ground, it will begin to grow. And when it grows, it will yield fruit. Look, be patient with God. Oh, be patient with God. God is silent, but he is not far away. He is right there. He is right there. He is right there with you. There's a greater good that is following the season that you find yourself in. There's something bigger that God is about to do in your life. There's something greater that is about to happen in your life. And it is for the benefit of generations yet unborn. For your children's sake. Oh, for someone's sake. God is about to do something magnificent in your life. It is only a matter of time. Turn to your neighbor and tell the person, it's only a matter of time. Turn to another neighbor and tell the person, it's only a matter of time. Now, now let's, let, let's, let's wrap up this, this message with something very interesting. Now, Matthew gives us a perspective when he sees Jesus on the cross. Matthew tells us what Jesus was going through. Matthew tells us the pain Jesus was going through. Matthew tells us how Jesus felt God had forsaken him. But look at what Luke tells us. Luke chapter 23, verse 44 to 46. The same scenario. Luke is giving us a different account. Luke 23, verse 44 to 46. He says, Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Isn't this the same thing Matthew was saying? But look at what Luke follows up. Then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. Because at that time when God was working, the temple's veil had to be torn in two so that you and I can have access into the presence of God. But that's not what I want to talk about. Look at the verse 46. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. Now, Matthew says that Jesus was on the cross. There was darkness all over. He cried out with a loud voice and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Luke says that Jesus cried with a loud voice and said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So I'm, I'm trying to put the two scenarios together. It's just like two people seeing a fight and then they come to narrate the fight to you. One person is telling you how this person hit the jaw from here. And then the other person is telling you how this person dodged the blow. And, and, but it's the same fight but from two different angles. So I can see Matthew recording and saying that Jesus was on the cross. In the third hour, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Luke now begins to tell us what Jesus does in that moment where he feels God has forsaken him. Luke says that Jesus said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Now, now let, let, let's pay attention to this. Can you imagine your best friend betrayed you and, and did something bad against you? And then you come and then you take your most valuable possession and, and trust it into the hands of your best friend. Who does that? No, the moment your best friend betrays you, it's not there for you. you there's insecurity to even commit a coin into the hands of your best friend. But look at Jesus. Jesus is hanging on the cross. He feels the Father has left him alone. And yet Jesus says, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Now, now this is what Jesus is trying to tell us. That even though God seems silent, God is still God. 
But some of you did not get that. That even though God seems far away, He's actually so near. And so, even though I feel forsaken in this moment, I can still trust God with my life. I can still put my spirit into His hands and know that the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever will handle my spirit and make sure that I come out victorious. So Jesus says, into your hands, I commit my spirit. So God, today, it might look like you are far away, but my trust in you has not ceased because I know you are God. Oh, I, I don't know whether you got it. That God, today, it might look like you are far away. It might look like you are not hearing my cry. It might look like you are silent, but I know that you are God. And so I still trust in you. Yeah. Jesus tells us, in this passage, that even though I feel abandoned, even though I feel forsaken, even though I feel left alone, that is not the reality. You know, sometimes what you feel you are going through is actually not the reality. What seems to be is not always what it is. So it might seem like God has left you, but God is standing right by you. <laughs> it might look like God is not hearing you, but he's actually listening closely. It might look like God has left you to be on your own, but the truth of the matter is that he's holding you in his hands. It might look like God has left you to go through the fire alone, but he says, when you walk through the fire, I will be with you. When you go through the water, it will not overrun you. When you go through the darkness in the valley of the shadow of death, I will be with you. So you can trust God regardless of the season you find yourself in. In one moment, you can say, God, yes, and it is, it, there's nothing wrong with crying as a human being and say, God, why have you forsaken me? But don't stay at that place of thinking that God has forsaken you. Remember that he is still the same God yesterday, today, and forever. I am sure on that cross, when Jesus was thinking about God, why have you forsaken me? He all of a sudden remembered how God listened to him and turned the five loaves of bread and the two fishes around and fed more than 5,000 people. I'm sure whilst he was standing on the cross and thinking that God had left him, he remembered how God used him to heal the blind man and to raise the dead person and, and to bring healing to many people and to save many people. And I'm sure whilst he's there, he says, if God did all this, all this while, and I am in this moment and he's silent, then it's not because he has left me, but it's only because he is doing something and I will wait for him to do what he wants to do. So Lord, I commit my spirit into your hands. So you can also say that, Father, I don't know what you are doing in this season of my life, but I commit my life into your hands. Father, I don't know where you are taking this particular situation, but I commit it into your hands. Father, I don't know where my business is going, but I commit it into your hands. Father, I don't know where my marriage is going, but I commit it into your hands. Father, I don't know where my finances is going, but I commit it into your hands. Because I know that even in your silence, you are still God. That your silence does not change who you are. And when he says that I commit my spirit into your hands, what he's saying is that I place it beside you. I commit it to your child. Can, can you imagine? One moment he's saying that it looks like you have left me. But the next moment he says I still place myself beside you. Because I know. And, and, and let, let me refer you to this word. Let me refer you to this word. In Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 to 6. Which gives us the confidence to know that even in our moments of silence and darkness. Where it looks like God is not minding us. Look at what he says. He says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? He says, I will never, and the word is what? Never. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So you always have to remind yourself of this word. And this particular scripture is in Deuteronomy. So I'm sure Jesus, I mean, was looking at what was quoted in Deuteronomy and said, if he says, I will never leave you, then I will never leave you. Oh yeah, he might be silent today, but he hasn't left. He might be quiet today, but he hasn't left. He's just waiting for the process to go through. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So God, it looks like you are forsaking me, but I know your word says you will never leave me nor forsake me. So I know you have not forsaken me. Oh, it looks like God, you have left me on my own, but your word says you will never leave me nor forsake me. So he says, because of that, we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. I can boldly say, even when people are laughing at me and say, where is your God? And people are saying, where's the God that you serve? You said you've been going to church. You said you're serving God and nothing is happening. I can boldly say that the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. And look at Isaiah 49, verse 14 to 16. He says, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. And my Lord has forgotten me. Then look at the verse 15. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of a womb? He says, surely they may forget. They may forget. Yet I will not forget you. And look at the verse 16. It shook me. He says, see, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. God says, I have written you on the palms of my hand. Now, if God says, I have written you on the palms of my hand, it means that there is nothing that would erase you from the hands of God. So when you feel like God has forsaken you, remember that God has written you in the palms of his hands. Oh, some of you did not get that. Some, some of you did not get that. God says, I have not just placed you in the palms of my hands. I have actually inscribed you. When God looks into the palms of his hands, he can see Jerry, he can see Emmanuel, he can see Ephia, he can see Kwabna, he can see this person. He says, I have written you in the palm of my hand. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do you know what God is saying? He says that because I have written you in the palm of my hands, as long as I live, your situation is under my control. It is in my hands. It is in my hands. It is in my hands. It might look like I've left you to be on your own, but you are right here in my hands. And that's why it says no one can pluck them out of my hands. Oh, some of you did not get that. Some of you did not get that. So when it seems like God has forsaken you, you must remind yourself that he is right there always with you. You are right in his palms. He's just working something out. Something that is greater than you can ever imagine. Something that will turn the moment of despair into a season of joy. And he says he will do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ever ask or imagine. So beloved, when you are going through that silent period in your life, remember that God is just waiting for the process. And when the process is over, the results will be so exciting you will forget about the pain. Oh yeah. When, when, when you go to the labor ward and you see the woman pushing, no matter the pain the woman is in, then the nursing mothers, the, the midwives will not say that, oh, because you are in a lot of pain. Oh, okay, let's stop. Go home. Pack your things and go. No, they know that if they don't push this woman to push out the baby, they are going to lose a life. They know that if they don't push this woman through that process, 
to, to get the baby out, they are not going to have the joy that they are expecting. So no matter the pain in which the woman is, the, the midwives will say, no, we are going to make sure that you will deliver. And they do everything to make sure the baby is out because they know that if we can get you through the process of pain, we can get you to the place of joy. So God says, I'll get you through the process of pain so I can get you to the place of joy. So today when you are crying and say, where are you, God? Just remember that he is working. He is working to get you to the place of joy. He is working to get you to the place of joy. He is working to get you to the place of joy. Why don't you lift up your voice and begin to thank God that he's taking you through the process. Lift up your voice and thank God that he's taking you through the process. He's taking you through the pain. He might look silent. He might seem silent. He might seem absent. But he's right there with you. And, and he says that you've got to learn to trust him. Jesus trusted. Jesus trusted. He says, into your hands, Father, I commit my spirit. Into your hands, I entrust my spirit. Because he knew that no matter the season, he could still trust God. And I want you to lift up your voice and thank God that he is still God in your pain. He is still God in your silent hour. He is still God when it looks like all things have been lost. He is still God when it looks like nothing is working. He is still God. He is still God. In the darkness, in the silence of the darkness, he is still God. He hasn't let you. He hasn't forsaken you. He hasn't left you all by yourself. Lift up your voice and thank God. Thank God in the name of Jesus.